Do you want to do a podcast? It doesn't have to be a podcast. Go away, Ian. We never record together anymore. This is 8-Bit, episode 90. That is very, very satisfying. On Saturday, October 11th, 2014. And now, pretend like it's a bagel. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker. I, I, never mind, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the aficionado number one right there. I mean, you'd think I would have heard it enough with the amount that it gets sung at camp and by kids and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. But apparently not. No. No. Have that or maybe I just blocked it out of my memory. That would be a positive. That's that's a good skill to have, especially if people yell spoilers for Game of Thrones at you. I'm not going to do that to you, because I'm not a terrible person. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you, you might have to find yourself a new co-host if you do do something. Like that. <laughs> <clears throat> hmm, I wonder if Ryan's doing anything right now. Hmm. So, <laughs> we will break up. I will keep that thing that I got you for your birthday. No, you wouldn't. If we broke up. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like the, the one thing that I'm looking forward to, you know, in terms of birthday gifts. Because I don't, you know, I don't need material things anymore now that I have my backlog of 300 Steam games. Yep. But no, yeah, that's There's the, always better gaming peripherals that you can get, like Gamer Mouse or Gamer Keyboard. That's true. Well, I mean, I think I have pretty much the best mouse on the market. <laughs> Keyboard might be better. Oculus Rift. There you go. Give yes. me that for my birthday. I will love <laughs> you forever. <laughs> I'm not that rich. Not yeah, yet, anyways. Neither am I. Probably not ever. Someday. So, I bet you that my week <clears throat> was more eventful than yours. I mean, possibly? We had the the Nobel Conference here at Gustavus, which is a gathering of a bunch of... Swedes. Oh, Swedes, yeah. Um, <laughs> I never see those. But a bunch of specifically scientific minds and some Nobel winners, no, some Nobel laureates. Um, and, of course, the music was involved in it, and there were some absolutely phenomenal performances that I got to go see, as well as some that I got to play in. Um, so, I mean, it was it was fairly eventful. More eventful than a normal normal week. Yeah. Yeah, mine involved going to Russia. Okay, you win. <laughs> we got to a five-day excursion, partially by bus to Helsinki, Finland, and then by cruise over to St. Petersburg. And then we hung out for like three days, going on first a, a general tour of the city, just kind of taking pictures from the bus. Mm-hmm. Then uh, a tour, the next day, a tour of the ice, or not ice palace, sorry, winter palace, and the Hermitage Museum, which I was expecting that to be more about the building, you know, the the palace, but it turns out that the Hermitage Museum is actually, like, <laughs> one of the biggest art museums in the world, and it's not just pieces from, you know, back back when the Russian czars were collecting art. It, it's like, you know, it includes contemporary stuff, because I found a few pieces that were, like, from 2013. Hmm. And then we also toured a few of the cathedrals in town, those were amazing. 
Mm-hmm. Like every single one of them, I swear, looked like it was bigger on the inside than the outside. It was <laughs> really weird. Um, and then and so like so so that entire city, you know, was founded with the whole like Peter the Great was hugely into emulating European culture, you know, and European thought and everything. And so he basically banned any traditional Russian architecture in the city. But then one of the one of the cathedrals was built, I think, like 150 years or something after he died, and they, you know, decided, ah, forget that. We're gonna make it, you know, a Russian Orthodox church for real. <laughs> Apparently, the Russian Orthodox Church, say that five times fast, doesn't have seats in their churches. Hmm. You have to stand the whole time to test the strength of your faith. I mean, you won't fall asleep then. And if you do, everybody will notice. <laughs> Flump. <clears throat> and then, uh, let's see, then we had a night cruise through the canals because St. Petersburg is known as the Venice of the North. That was really cool. And then, like, a group of eight of us decided that we didn't want to go back to the hotel on the bus. We decided to just kind of walk around downtown St. Petersburg at, you know, midnight. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody died? No, no, of course not. Actually, so so we went and found this really cool, like, 80s rock-themed bar and just uh, what you know went in out of the cold and uh they had some some beers and i had some nachos with uh, sauce and you know <laughs> we tried out some soup and stuff and like the one the one thing that happened that night that made me feel a little bit unsafe was some guy wandered into the bar off the street came and sat down at our table like he dragged a chair up from a different table cuz there was basically nobody at this bar uh and sat down and started trying to bum drinks off of us and he had clearly had a few too many already. And so we were just like, you know, pretending like we didn't understand what he was talking about. We we're like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And eventually we got the bartender to come over and make him leave. <laughs> and the bartender afterwards was like, sorry, you know, it's Nevsky Prospect. It happens. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we had a tour outside of town uh where the summer palace is and that one that tour was actually more about the building uh you know the palace itself and and the cool furniture that's in there mm. yeah by that time in the in the trip i was you know kind of dead on my feet so i was i was not absorbing the intellectual stuff as much as just going gold wow you became ados sure very much so ados yeah our our tour guide though he was the best. His name was Nikolai, and I'm pretty sure like so he had he had a response for everything. You know he had like a proverb for any situation, and I'm fairly certain that his whole purpose is uh, to brainwash tourists that he guides so that down the road once he's you know amassed a, a good number of us, he will kind of activate us you know from afar with with some some phrase. And we'll all, you know, have to, to get up and go to Russia and uh, help him with a coup or something, you know, when he <laughs> takes over the country. And, and like, I can, I can hear it now. You know, I'm probably going to be sleeping sometime, and I'll just hear his voice go, Okay, fuck, time to wake up. And I'll just, you know, get up, buy a ticket to Russia, and, and there I go. <laughs> and I'll be sleeping in the room next to you, and it'll be weird. Yeah. Because suddenly I won't have a roommate anymore. <clears throat> hey, you can, you can come with if you want to. It'll be exciting. 
Russia scares me. Yeah, but you'll see history as it's happening. That's true, and I love history, and that's 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 one of my favorite things that I miss about being in Europe was just being surrounded by so much history yeah. all the time. Here, here in uh, Luleo, we when we were touring the town, we passed by a, a church building, like a big church building, and they were like, "Yeah, this this is actually a really, really like young church. They, you know, because the original burned down and they had to rebuild it. It was built in, you know, the 1850s." And I was like, "Oh God, that's that's older than my hometown." Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pathetic. I mean, just look at some of the churches in Prague sometime. Mm-hmm. I mean. Holy cow. Some of the ones that we went into were built, like, during and before the Crusades. Yeah. Like, the one time where I didn't feel that, that, that comfortable in a church was when we were in a little town, um, shoot, which, I think this was in Poland. And they had a little church there that had, that was really celebrating their heritage with the Crusaders. Hmm. But it's like, because they were founded by the Crusaders. So, so much history everywhere. Just absorb it all. One of, uh, one of the guys that I met from Germany, we were talking about cities in Germany. He's like, oh yeah, like the youngest city uh, was, you know, founded like a thousand years ago. And, you know, the oldest ones are, are old, uh, you know, Roman forts that were built along the Rhine into, mm-hmm. you know, for supply lines and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I told you, in Budapest, in, in Hungary, probably one of the more famous cities in the world, Budapest, right? Sure. There's Roman ruins down there, including yeah. a working water organ. Like, from Roman times? The mm-hmm. organ? Holy cow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff to go out and see. There's so many things. We, we really live in a little bubble in the U.S. Says the guy who's still in the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I've tasted what it's like outside the U.S., and I like it. Yeah, except that they don't have bagels. No, we can make bagels. Yeah, but, you know, taste. Take some dough and boil it. That's all you got to do. I mean, I, I just take some, you know, random bread and put cream cheese on it after toasting it, and I pretend like it's a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> so, last week, you had a show without me, mm-hmm. and uh, we have some, some feedback. Some of it's from me, some of it's from Andrew. Um, Andrew really liked the, your guest. Uh, uh, what was his name? JPM. JPM. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was really cool. I liked him too. I mm-hmm. I mean I love hearing people talk about things that are pas- that they're passionate about, especially if it's something that I'm passionate about as well. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah, very good guest. Um, Andrew also says that he he hasn't really looked into Gamergate that much, uh, and you know he he doesn't know much about it, and my suggestion to any of you who want to know more about Gamergate, uh, Vox has a really, really thorough article about the whole thing. Um, and I'm putting the link in here uh, on the in the show notes for you to uh, to go and read. Um, by the way, show notes can be found at thenexus.tv slash eb90. Um, and Andrew also uh, talked about the, you know, absence of Kickstarter games right now. And he says that uh, if a game has done well that was on Kickstarter, then the next game from that developer probably shouldn't be Kickstarted because they, you know, in theory have enough money saved up to reinvest in the development of their next game. And, I mean, that would be the ideal, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's again, that's what the the developer had been saying, mm-hmm. is that he thought that he wasn't going to do a Kickstarter specifically because 
they should have had enough money to reinvest initially. <clears throat> yeah. And the way uh-huh. the way that like Kickstarters for games work so much is you're essentially just pre-ordering the game. Yeah. So I don't I I mean if if the game is going to happen for sure whether it's kickstarted or not like I I in that case I don't care if it's kickstarted or not. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll buy it when it's available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then here here's the things that I thought of when I was listening to the episode. First of all, I completely forgot about my rice stirring dream, but when you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh my god. Oh my gosh, that's right." Like <laughs> <laughs> So I guess, I guess I'm uh, you know, putting my my memory off to you in a way, you know. <laughs> I also I loved it when JPM said, "You like good games. That's good." Because, well, yes, that's the goal, isn't it? Is <laughs> yeah. to like good things. Uh-huh. Especially we if we're are. going to we are connoisseurs. Yeah. And uh he also he also hates it when people, you know, practice party games more mm-hmm. than more than he does and I I agree completely. Like that's one of the reasons that I don't like playing Super Smash Bros because everybody else who wants to play Super Smash Bros puts way more time and effort into it and so I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I just get owned. I mean, I just got lucky. They have a Smash Club here. Where it's a club literally dedicated to Super Smash Bros. So how is that getting lucky? Because I get my practice in by going and playing with a bunch of other people. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going. I I thought you meant that you had like just found them, and in which case I would have said, well, wouldn't you be at a disadvantage because they've all been practicing for forever? Nope, found them freshman year. I haven't been able to go much just because they practice at a time that doesn't really work well for me in mm. jazz. But yeah, uh, he seemed to really enjoy being on the podcast and. Yeah. Uh, a word of warning, JPM. Podcasting kind of a drug. Mm-hmm. You can get sucked in, and it can take up your life. Mm-hmm. But if you can make <laughs> what happened to us? If if you can make like a living off of it, that would be wonderful. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, we haven't figured out how to do that yet. Mm. No. Maybe we should put ads on this or something. No, you no. gross. <laughs> Let's not bombard our listeners with those nasty things. Yeah. Um. I also <laughs> thought of of another kind of possible explanation for the absence of Kickstarter games. You know, we we had this giant kind of flood of Kickstarter games about a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. And those developers, you know, the, like, when that bubble happened, most of the developers that are likely to use Kickstarter used it at that time. So now all of those developers are in the process of developing the games that they got funding for, right? Mm-hmm. So they can't kickstart more games right now because they're working on something else. Yeah. But I think once once we start to see those Kickstarter games actually release, like maybe that's when we'll start seeing kind of a a another growth possibly in the number of Kickstarters. But I would I would expect that maybe, you know, that will be a little bit more staggered than the original bubble. So like the level of the number of Kickstarter games that you're seeing right now is probably closer to the, you know, number that we'll see going forward. Yeah. That makes sense. And then also that I mean that may have been the longest episode we've ever had. Yeah. And I'm not complaining because I was on a 13-hour bus ride when I listened to it, so I needed something to occupy my time. But I can understand, you know, your average listener at home not wanting to spend two hours listening to us talk about video games and stuff. So send us some critique with... I I haven't heard anybody specifically say, um, but, you know, nobody says anything in general. That's true. I mean, Andrew Bailey. If if we need to, you know, cut anything down in a particular episode, I think it would probably be the, you know, 
the headlines because we used to call that section lightning for a reason, you know, where we would just say the headline and then move on and not talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and we can go back to that if we ever have a an episode that's taking too long. Yep. So speaking of headlines. Speaking of headlines. More news about that whole big X-Bone thing. Um, so it launched in China, and it's actually doing better than it did in Japan or Korea, with having sold, in the first week, 100,000 units. Um, and the fact is that the only... Uh, I mean, it, it probably helps that um, it's the only official console being sold there right now. Um, and I mean, that that's definitely going to be... Um, <laughs> God, you guys, stop fighting, children. Sorry, to those of you who don't know, the, the site promo is getting blown up in my face while I'm trying to talk about this thing. And We were trying to do it silently so that they wouldn't know that we're fighting. <laughs> Thank you for drawing attention to it. <laughs> well, it's distracting when I can no longer see what I'm supposed to be reading or talking Which about. is why I told Ryan that we already did it, so that he would stop making it giant. <laughs> <laughs> How to break the podcast 101. Oh, our podcast is broken already. <laughs> yeah. Every time. In the best possible way, though. So, yeah, I, I suppose it's easier to sell a console when you have no competitors, officially. Officially. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of Kickstarter, there's actually a Kickstarter this week. Whoa! <laughs> so, former Irrational developers have started a Kickstarter for their game, The Black Glove. The the main quote from their site, I love it. I'm, I'm going to just read it ex- exactly as it was. Welcome to the Equinox, an eerie tw- 1920s theater that appears unstuck from conventional reality. A venue pervaded by weird dream logic, inexplicable holes in space, unshielded x-ray art installations, and tasteful use of crushed velvet. <laughs> so it appears to have some, like, crazy science and a historical setting vibe, you know, just like the Bioshock games, uh, which makes sense because these are former Bioshock developers. Um and so so you play as the curator of this theater where there are a few artists yeah, in right. residence, but the artists kind of suck. And so it's your job to, like, manipulate their past to make them better artists, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. And there's also going to be, like, games within the game and... I don't crazy science stuff. It's going to be cool, I think. Well, so, it seems like for some reason you can only go back and change something whenever you complete a level of what was it, Galactic Minotaur or something like that? Yeah, you have to vanquish the Space Minotaur in like an, an arcade game cabinet in the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, weird game could have a really weird story, but I mean, we like weird games and weird stories. Yeah, so I was intrigued enough to you know plop down the twenty dollars for the game. <laughs> I don't think I've done that yet, but maybe, 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 maybe just borrow it from your thing, because that is a maybe. You've never hunter. done that before. No, well, it was a couple games so far. Anyway, um, so new trailer, not Megan Trainer. Um, Evil Within has come out with another trailer, and it is, you know, that whole thing that you would expect to be kind of scary, but it gives you an idea as to a little bit more of the world that you're going to be involved in, as well as some of the, the gameplay styles that you can go and do. So they feature some of the stealth, um, or a lot of the stealth playthrough and the tools that they give you within the world, as well as showing you some of the graphics stuff for the world. And it looks gorgeous, and I can definitely see why it was... Um, or I can definitely see the Resident Evil influence. So, 
question for you. Do we want to watch the trailer? It does have some audio, and it explains some of the stuff a little bit as it's going through. But yeah, you don't really get the full it was a little long, though, I think. Three minutes? So it's a, that's a little long. That's a little long. Okay. I want to talk about I want to talk about other stuff at length instead of you know that. Okay. Um, so yeah, go check that out, listeners. Um, it's worth looking at. If not, if not for ooh cool game element things, it it, it has that ooh pretty shiny factor. And gore. And gore. So speaking of the evil within, uh, a couple of weeks ago I think we talked about the high system requirements for the game, but now. They've also told us that they are locking the game at 30 frames per second, and they're running it intentionally, like they're doing that intentionally out of a stylistic choice or something, and they're also running it at an aspect ratio of 2.35 to 1, which is really bizarre. That's that's wider than 16 by 9. So you you will be able to change it manually on PC if you want to, but apparently they designed the game to include, you know, gameplay prompts and stuff in the letterboxed area, huh. which is really bizarre. It is bizarre. Still don't know if I want to get the game or not. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks... I'll, I'll wait for the reviews to come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's probably the wisest decision. Besides, we have a few other releases that we're going to be plowing through anyway. Like Just a few. Like Dragon Age Inquisition and, and, and Borderlands the pre-sequel. And I really, really actually want to get Mordor Shadow, Middle Earth Shadow, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. yeah, that looks good. Who who did who made that game again? That one was published by Warner Brothers. I forget who the developer was. Cool. So long as it wasn't Ubisoft. Yeah, no. I mean, I have nothing against Ubisoft. In fact, I like a lot of their games because another one that I'm waiting on that I pre-ordered is Far Cry 4. But I just, if it's not Ubisoft, then I can access it via your home sharing. Right. Or EA. Or EA, yeah. But it's on Steam, so it's not EA. Right, but uh, we have EA games on Steam that we can't access in each other's. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Okay. So speaking so, of EA... Speaking of EA and Dragon Age Inquisition, um, so in case you're looking forward to Dragon Age Inquisition, which you should be, and you're a little neurotic like us, which maybe you... No, you definitely should be. Um, you're going to want to play Dragon Age Origins first. I know personally it is one of my absolutely most favorite games so far, just... There's so much story, and it's so big and so well done in terms of the way that you you shape your story and where you want to go and how you want to do things. They leave it completely open to you. Because, um, I mean, they, they railroad you or railroad you for the first little bit, and then they let you decide the rest as to how you want to go about doing things. Um, so if you want to have sort of the same experience that I did and learn how to love this game as much as I do, uh, go ahead and pick it up on Origin, because guess what? It's their on-the-house game right now. So, go play Dragon Age Origins. You will not regret it. <laughs> so, Myst, one of those legendary PC games that from days gone by that you know I'm too young to have enjoyed back when it first came out. Uh, um, I remember playing it with my dad. Yeah. They are going to make a television show based on it. And who better to do that than Legendary Pictures? I mean, honestly, I can't think of anybody better. So mm. we'll also be getting, apparently, a new game out of the deal that will be uh, tie into the show from Cyan Worlds, who are the creators of the original Mist as well. So that'll be cool, I hope. Yeah. So what's what's it supposed to be about? I have no idea. No details on that kind of thing yet, I think. No. It just talks about the game and says, 
Um, let's see. Cyan's goal in working with Legendary is not just to create a compelling TV drama, but to develop a true transmedia production that will include a companion video game that extends the story across both media. The company said 70% of tablet owners use their device for watching TV at least several times a week. Oh, God. Cyan sees the potential to push the boundaries of interactive storytelling to a new level. So there's going to be interactive storytelling as the game comes out? Maybe. I'm not sure. Like, would it be an episodic thing that you can go and do every now and then and, like, play along with the game as it goes through the story? You mean, like, releasing content for both the show and the and the game? Simultaneously. Is that what you're saying? That, yeah. that could be interesting. I would like be on having, that. Like, like having one um, encompass details that the other misses. So you mm-hmm. have to be doing both. It'll be a really good exercise for anyone who wants to, you know, try and multitask and learn how to multitask because your brain will have to be looking at both mediums. So the, uh, the next thing that I have to talk about actually is kind of that sort of concept. So Niantic, the guys behind uh, Ingress, they have a new game that's uh, going to be starting up soon. Well, sort of, sort of. So this one is much, much more ambitious than Ingress. It's the it's an entire project that involves several novels, movies, an augmented reality game, and a location-based mobile game, and they're all going to you know have to do with each other. Right now, uh, the first book just came out. It's called Endgame: The Calling. And that that sounds familiar. I think I might have. It I, it came out on October seventh. Okay. Yeah, and then. The so the augmented reality game has also started and that has a bunch of like puzzles and you know stuff stuff for the community to solve and that is a prequel to the book I believe and then once the augmented reality game is complete uh, they will launch the location based mobile game and then you know we'll see we'll see how the the other novels and and movies and stuff tie into the whole thing once they come out but the craziest part is that the winner the final winner of the augmented reality game is going to get $500,000 worth of gold. Huh. I knew that would get your attention. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm ADOS as well, but... Yeah, there you go. How much do you want to bet that they're actually just doing this as a way to summon Cthulhu? Well, the, the, whole, the whole game, the whole concept kind of seems to have to do with that. <laughs> I mean, like actually going and summoning Cthulhu or something like that. Because how else would it be a better way to manipulate the masses than by making a game out of it and seeming that they're thinking that it's all a game? Hmm. Well, it's been nice knowing you then, I guess. Yep. We'd better play as many games as we can before that happens. Well, I told you we're all... I Well, actually, I didn't tell you, but I'll, I'll join you in the game, so we're both going to die. It's going to be great. <laughs> it was always the Winkershim. It's always been the <laughs> Winkershim. All right, so one little sad thing is that... Um, so there was this game that came out a little while a little while ago, and by a little while I mean a few years ago, called Hotline Miami. And they had um, they had announced a sequel called Hotline Miami 2: Wrong Number. And it's 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 coming out, but a little bit later than expected. It's going to be ready in late 2014 or early 2015. So it's a delayed release a little bit, but it it'll be here soon. Don't worry, Hotline Miami lore fans and all that fun stuff <laughs> will be here soon. So Microsoft wasted no time in starting development for their new baby, Minecraft, for Windows Phone. No word on an exact release date yet, but uh, it's coming. Oh, golly. All right, so... Oh, what's my favorite game that... Or my 
asymmetrical multiplayer game that I'm super excited to come out. Asymmetrical multiplayer. Ah, Evolve. Yes, yes. You know what they're starting up now? A beta? Almost. A closed alpha. Alpha? Oh. Believe it or not. And you can go and sign up for it, too. Um, and they, believe it or not, they actually made a trailer um, all about it. I mean, it's mainly just, there's not really much audio other than some music and explosions and all that fun stuff. So I'll leave it to you guys to go and look that up. But it's called the Big Alpha Trailer. And there are some rewards for participating in it. and um, So, I mean, that alone. Because one, you get to play the game earlier, and two, you get some rewards for playing the game earlier. I, I don't see any loss to this. <laughs> I actually learned something new from the trailer. I didn't realize that they were the first game ever to get Best of Show of E3 and Best of Show of Gamescom in the same year. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... It's not even out of Alpha and it's winning awards that caliber. Well, yeah, none of the games that win awards at E3 have come out yet. Oh, I suppose. That's kind of the nature of E3, is talking, you know, showing off games that are upcoming. <laughs> but good job trying to be smart. <laughs> so, I'm not in Kansas anymore. And as such, I'm not in Minnesota either, or or anywhere in the U.S. for that matter. And I've I've started to notice that uh, Steam prices are not always what I would expect given the current exchange rates. For example, uh, you know, in in euros, sometimes sometimes, uh, well, usually, so like the euro is is worth a little bit more than the dollar, right? Um, uh, one euro is about one and a half dollars. Yeah. Yes. Um. So you would expect that, like you know, it would it would be a, a roughly equivalent ratio of U.S. dollars to you know the price of of a game in euros, but it, it's not it's not always exactly uh, right. And sometimes, in fact, they like cost exactly the same in in terms of you know like a sixty dollar game and a sixty euro game, which is really weird. Uh, also, when I was in Russia, I noticed that like games were dirt cheap, like just several hundred rubles. And rubles. I mean a hundred rubles is like two dollars and fifty cents. So, you know, I was like, why? Why are these why are these so different? Um and luckily, right about the time that I was in uh, Russia, PC Gamer came out with an article explaining why prices are the way that they are in certain uh in certain areas of the world. So the story basically goes everything starts off with the US. And so, a, you know, a, a game company, when they're choosing what price they're going to set a game at, you know, they take a look at what kind of game it is and they, you know, kind of just make, make a judgment on, is this a $60 game? Is this a $40 game? Is this a $20 game? You know, um, and then, and, and so they price it accordingly. And then for Europe and Britain, what happens usually is they just, you know, convert it at the current exchange rate. Yeah. And, except that you know sometimes they have to like add taxes and stuff. So that that's why that's why they're sometimes a little bit higher than you would expect. But then also you know they never change those prices as time goes forward and exchange rates change. So a game that was released five years ago at current exchange rate you know makes sense. Yeah. Won't make sense now because mm-hmm. you know the the exchange rates aren't exactly the same. Then there's places like Russia. <laughs> or Brazil, which are you know um, developing markets as they call them, and 
game prices there, is in, at least for you know disc-based games, have always been sold based on how many discs there are in the game. So like a one-disc game would cost, for example, like four dollars. A two-disc game would cost eight dollars then. And because because those games were so cheap in dollar on disc, they couldn't just you know price a twenty-dollar game at twenty dollars on Steam because then nobody in Russia would buy them. So that's why that's why games are so dirt cheap in Russia. And I wish that I had had like you know if not a Russian credit card, some you know. Uh, go out to a mall and buy like some, you know, digital cash. Cause I'm pretty, that, that exists, you know, like just cash cards that, that you can use yeah. on, um, online stores. Yeah. And then there's, and then there's Australia. <laughs> and Australia is usually considered, you know, to be part of like the European market, except for the fact that the European, or that the Australian government loves loves to tax things you know that come in from from foreign entities they love their tariffs so because physical games cost way more in australia than they do elsewhere steam games have to cost way more in australia than they do elsewhere because heaven forbid we undercut the uh, physical game stores and do something that's good for the consumer Mm -mm, Mm -hmm. never no never whoops and then Japan's an interesting story too, because in Japan there's 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 like just like a few thousand dedicated PC gamers who are willing to pay way more than normal, like you know eighty or ninety dollars a game really? for their games because they're the elite or whatever. <laughs> and and so you know the companies would be dumb to ignore the possibility of you know selling games that higher than normal to people who are going to buy them anyway. I guess. But, I mean... So they do that. Yeah. Gosh, and I thought that we were stuck up about being PC gamers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you live in a, in a place where the 3DS is the only, like, gaming system that is being successful, you can probably be stuck up about being a PC gamer. Okay, fine. Is it really the only thing that's successful? I, I, it's the only... Like, from what I've heard... People in Japan just in general don't go for consoles or PCs in ge- like you know for their for their lives. Weird. And I, it, part of it probably has to do with you know the just the home environment is completely different from what we're used to. You know the physical cool. environment. You're not you, you might not have you know the home theater system to just you know plug a console into. Um, that I know you know in my life. I haven't had a home theater system, but that's because I'm a college student and I've been, you know, moving around every six months to a different dorm or whatever. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but yeah, like, so that, th- this steam pricing contrast is it va- vastly different from, for example, what good old games is trying to do, which is to make everything cost exactly the same no matter where in the world you're at, you know, and just, you know, normalize it by, uh, the the exchange rates yeah and so like yeah valve has like kind of recommended prices uh for you know that that most indie developers follow 
So actually, indie developers are fairly consistent on you know their their worldwide pricing, but then big publishers, you know, like Ubisoft and EA and Activision and all those guys, they have like you know their own preconceived notions of how much they usually sell their games for in different markets, and so they usually just kind of ignore whatever Valve says and do their own thing in terms of pricing. Oh boy, and it's working for them. I mean, they're still in business and they're still selling games so I suppose oh, yeah. I suppose so huh. I mean they I'm sure that they're both like you know Valve is obviously doing a ton of research you know into this kind of thing they've they've had a while to figure out what prices work and what in what regions but yeah. those those other publishers have also done their own research I'm sure they're big multinational corporations so they probably have a good sense of what their consumers are doing as well yeah I suppose world economies they're super world simple right <laughs> Very easy to understand. Ah, oh, funny. You are funny. <laughs> I say as I start sorting all of my international coins. Yeah, I've I've got a much smaller um collection started. Actually, when when we were coming back from Russia, they told us that you know you won't be able to exchange your coins for you know for any other currency again at a bank. So you better spend any any change that you have in Russian rubles, otherwise you'll be stuck with Russian rubles. And you know, I was like, oh no, I've got like tons and tons of coins, and I counted it all up, and it was you know several hundred. And then I did the math, and I'm like, oh, that's like it's like five dollars. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, honestly, it's just really cool to. Well, look yeah, at but all I mean, I, but and... I don't need twenty different ten ruble coins. I suppose. You know, like <laughs> just just a few are enough. Maybe maybe that's what I'll give people when I get back. I mean, that's what I had planned on doing with these initially. Oh, actually, I just remembered. I got something for Sonya in in Russia, but when oh. I show it to you on the webcam, you can't say anything, okay? Because she actually listens to the show, and I haven't told her what it is yet. She's going to find out when I get home. Are you ready for this, Ian? <laughs> I'm ready. I, saw, I saw this as a show. I, I at a at a shop. I hadn't been you know buying anything because I was just looking at all the souvenirs that they had and going. Those, those are so stupid. I'm not buying any of that stuff. And then I saw this. <laughs> Is this not the best thing ever? That is amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> that is fantastic. You are going to love that. Or she is going to love that. And I, 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 I told her that I, I got you a thing, and she was like, now I want to know what it is. And I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh-uh, girlfriend. You may not. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's, that is fantastic. I think she's going to get a kick out of that. If I get this much of a kick out of it, then I'm pretty sure she will, too. So, let's see. I have a review this week. You have I actually, yeah, uh, on that trip to to St. Petersburg, you know, especially on the bus, I I got to do two things a lot: read Storm of Swords and play some more video games. So one of the games that I kind of became heavily reacquainted with over the course of that trip was Smash Hit. So Smash Hit is yet another arcade game on mobile. I've come to realize that I really, really, really like arcade games on mobile because they they fit really well with the whole, you know, easy to pick up and put down quickly, um, multiplayer, but not like real-time multiplayer. It's just comparing scores with friends, which is much, much more reasonable on a mobile platform. 
and then also, you know, the whole like easy to learn but difficult to master. Mm-hmm. And those those three ingredients are kind of what has gone into most of my favorite mobile games. So Smash Hit it works like this. You're you know you're traveling through this 3D environment. You know you just go you go straight down kind of a, a hallway sort of thing, and you'll find these glass obstacles in front of you. And in order to get through them, you have to tap the screen to throw metal balls at these at these glass obstacles. If you hit a glass obstacle, you lose 10 balls. You only have a finite number of balls when you run out. Game over. Right? Oh my. Pretty simple. You get balls back by throwing balls at crystals, and those will replenish uh, the number of balls that you have. So, <laughs> so you're replenishing your balls. Yes. Actually, I find it very, very ironic that the epi- title of the last episode was throwing balls at things. Yeah. And now we're talking about a game where you throw balls at things. Yeah. You and your um, balls of steel. So, y- y- they are steel balls, I'm sure, actually. <laughs> well, you said that, I thought. No, I, I mean, I, they're metal, shiny things. Huh. I, I don't know what they're made of because they're in a virtual <laughs> environment. By the way, metal balls, just, mm. just avoid glass splinters. Metal ball, metal ball solid? Metal ball solid. Um, so yeah, it's, it seems like, you know, a pretty simple concept to begin with, but they add complexity by having different types of, uh, obstacles in, you know, in different, uh, each chapter has kind of a theme to it, you know? So some of them will have, um, you know, uh, kind of metal or glass doors that like move sideways at a particular beat. Some of the levels will be where like you start to twist around and kind of go, you know, upside down so gravity changes. Uh, some of them, one of them actually like has almost no gravity at all. So instead of having to arc your shots, they, the balls almost just go like straight at whatever you tap. Pew! Yeah. Uh, there's also, different power-ups that you can get throughout the game and some of you know they're different they're useful in different uh situations so one of them i think uh slows down time one of them makes your balls explode when they hit things and one, of, and one of them well it's good because everything in the game you want to destroy essentially by the way that's very very satisfying destroying things with your balls and i'm glad that i have a game that is uh, you know based entirely around that concept um and so, you know, it's it's not difficult to, like, figure out what situations those power-ups are good in, but you have to remember to use them in the right situations. Um, they also have several different difficulty levels, each with, you know, a, a separate progression. So, you know, as, as you go through, uh, you know, each chapter, you'll unlock the next one. And each chapter also serves as a checkpoint. So uh, if, if, you know, if I reach chapter 2 with 136 balls left, then from the main menu, I can start chapter two with 136 balls at any time, you know? Ooh. Um, and that, so that, yeah, that's really nice. And the game is free, except that the free version doesn't have like checkpoints. It only comes with the one of, you know, the middle, um, difficulty level and like you don't get like leaderboards and stuff. So essentially the free version is just a demo version of the game. That's how I see it. Makes sense. Yeah. And and then, you know, the premium upgrade is $2, and it's well, well worth it. But, luckily, you don't have to take my word for that. You can just go and try out the free version of the game and decide if you like it or not, and then, you know, pay for the premium version if you want to. Yeah. But I, I'm enjoying it because out of the, you know, uh, out, out of all of the, the games that I play on my phone that I try to 
compare high scores with other people. This is the one that uh, other people actually play. You know, <laughs> like I tried to convince other people to play duet, and I've gotten a few people here uh, in Luleo to play it actually. But you know, like Ryan and Sonia back home, they they you know tried it, hated it because it was frustrating and difficult, and uh, stopped playing entirely. So <laughs> I like Smash Hit because it's it, it seems a bit more accessible to Smash you know, Hit, not Smash Ball. Okay. I'm yes, sorry. it's called Smash Hit. Um, sorry, I was I looked up Smash Ball. <laughs> I mean, you could have just clicked on the link that we have in the show notes. Oh, I mean, I'm seeing if it's on Steam. It is not. It is only available on Android and iOS. Unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and and that's uh one of one of the so so you know the the three things that I mentioned earlier that are you know make a good mobile game. The one thing that I would complain about it is that the checkpoints are far enough apart. You know, it takes like three, four, maybe five minutes to get through a chapter. You know. And that is a little bit long for a mobile game, so I, I usually only play Smash Hit if I know that I have, you know, a chunk of time where I'm not going to be doing anything else. Whereas with, like, Duet, I can just fire it up and, you know, do, like, the daily challenge in a matter of a minute. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But it's a good game. Good. And I, you know, I've I've gotten most of the achievements, but I, you know, I haven't gotten, like, anywhere near the end of the game on the hardest difficulty level. So I've still got, uh, I've still got, you know, a bit of, bit of progression to go. So what you're telling me is I need to get a platform. No, you, you said it's on iOS, yes? Yeah. So I, I should... I don't know if I would try it on your old iPod Touch, though. No, okay. Because, you know, it, it is, it is a, like frame rate sensitive game and it and it's actually you know rendering a 3D environment whereas for example dots it, you know is not it's just you know a white background with some colored dots on it yeah so true. i don't know you can try it it's free maybe if it doesn't work then you know you're not out of money yep at least not yet <laughs> no but i want to be <laughs> the best part saying about saying that is, is and twirling my mustache is just my mustache is actually long enough that I can twirl it and it stays. Yeah, I'm keeping myself nice and clean shaven, but I haven't been able to get a haircut in a while. So I think I'm going to just find one of my friends here, point at them and say, it was my birthday recently. Give me a haircut. <laughs> It'll work. I uh, hope. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Then they'll walk up to you, grab one hair, tug it a little bit, and then snip it, and then walk away. Ooh, we could crowdsource my haircut. Just get <laughs> every person that I meet to cut one strand of hair to a length of their, you know, their own preference, and we'll see what happens. Now, now here's the question: Is how do you get it so that nobody cuts the same strand twice? Uh, we'll have to highlight them or something. <laughs> Dye them neon orange. Bleach them. Once they've... Oh, golly. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine you with bleach blonde hair. I honestly... Me neither. Disgusting. So, because it was my birthday recently, that means that we're getting into the time of year where lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of AAA games come out. So, mm-hmm. this week especially is pretty heavy. Uh, Alien Isolation just came out last Tuesday. Borderlands, the pre-sequel, is coming up this next Tuesday. Costume Quest 2 just came out. The Evil Within is coming up. And uh, Minecraft for the PS Vita is also coming out. And then, as for things that actually... Well, so you'll be playing uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, right? 
with some of your friends from Gustavus. Yes. And uh, in terms of things that matter to me, the Octodad Shorts DLC will be coming out this next Tuesday, and that's a, that's a free DLC that just has a couple of, like, um, kind of short stories. I think one of them has to do with soon after Octodad gets married, and then I forget what the other one's about, but I'll play those, and I'll report back to you on them next weekend. Apparently there's new characters that you'll be able to play, too. So once you finally get back, hopefully they'll have released all the characters for Borderlands, the pre-sequel, and I can do a new, uh, fun, silly character. I thought you were talking about new characters in Octodad, and I was like, what? Squid. <laughs> that would Squid be Mom. insane. <laughs> Squid Mom. Yeah. No, that'll be fun. And I mean, so, uh, yeah, I'll definitely play that and talk about it. And I mean, I played a game this past week, but it was just one that I think we've already talked about a little bit. So. What was it? Assassin's Creed. Ah, yes. I finally got around to finishing the first one and making actually, starting to make my way through. Actually, we never reviewed Assassin's Creed or Assassin's Creed 2 on this show because I played them before we started the show. True. So we can True. talk about it right now as our classics. Well, why don't we wait until we do Assassin's Creed 2 or until I finish Assassin's okay. Creed 2. That do both of them at once? Yeah. So it sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. And does, will that, should that include Brotherhood and Revelation? Mm, no, because we, I, well, it, it doesn't have to, because we, I reviewed Brotherhood and Revolution when I played oh, okay. them on the show. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. I love it when we do administrative stuff on the show. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes we have really good ideas in their spur of the moment, and it's like, let's do it right now. Yeah, but and then we can put out a poll on Google Plus and ask people what they think of it. Which worked. No, no, is it, you're thinking of the, um, I, I'm making a joke about the new feature on Google Plus where you can just, like, post a poll. Oh. And what you're talking about was the Google form that we did. Okay. Yeah. Oops. The Google form worked. Yeah, yeah, of course it did. I know, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about the Google form. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, so when I, when I discovered that Google Plus has this new polls thing, my immediate reaction, I'm going to make a poll. What's it going to be about? I know. I'll ask people if they've seen a poll on Google Plus before. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the two possible answers are, uh, the, the question is, you know, have you seen a poll on Google Plus? And the, the two possible answers are, yes, you're not as clever as you think, or no, what is this? I want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, most of the people said, yes, you're not as clever as you think. Well, I mean, with that, you've kind of seen, anyways. Hmm? No, I meant, you know, before the one that I wrote. Ah. Ah, I see. Yeah. But, like, okay. actually, I can I can look at it right now. Let's see. Uh, five votes. 80% of the people said, yes, you're not you're not as clever as you think. And 20% said, no, what is this? I want to know more. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nope. Long story short, you're not as clever as you think. All right. So I think that's it for us for this episode. So and I'm you, Ian Decker. And I'm Ian Buck. Signing off. I need it thicker. Oh no, now I've been tricked into saying it. Now you can take my sense out of context too. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Download more RAM. Why can it hear him?
Because <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's so good. The microphone shouldn't be picking that up. The microphone isn't picking it up. The computer's picking it up. It all goes into my computer to record. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. 100th episode is a celebration. Celebrate good times. Come on. Let's celebrate. I'm an idiot. Marker. Why am I marking that? Because he made a confession. <laughs> marked, at, marked as such. <sighs> uh, screw you guys. <laughs> I mean, maybe you shouldn't you know, put yourself in a situation where you will say things in frustration on a recording. <laughs>